0: are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Thanks, Thanks, uh, officer Tom. Appreciate it. Officer Tom found St. Christopher, the traveling saint of protection, on the visor. And it's interesting how that car that is now in a wreck with a kid that we've met in the last few weeks has got that on there. And I noticed something different about us today. How many, how many people are wearing our little crosses today? How many people haven't got one yet? Anyone not got one? 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 You know what? Why do we wear our crosses? We see people with crosses around their necks. And we see people with crosses on their earrings. see crosses on rings. I see crosses tattooed on people's arms and, and, and body. The cross has become something that is just... It's everywhere, isn't it? I wonder if the cross... That pillar of our faith, that symbol of redemption has become so common that it just really becomes a decoration. Let me ask you this morning, if you could choose this morning between sleeping the night on a box spring or a Tempur-Pedic mattress, which one would you choose? The memory foam. Here's something that's maybe more along the cold lake lines. If you could sleep out in a tent for a weekend and spend a, a weekend camping in a tent, or you could spend a weekend at a spa, which one would you choose? Hey, moms, let me ask you this one. Moms, we just came back from Disneyland with our kids. If you could walk around Disneyland all day long with your children... Would you choose that for your footwear, <laughs> or would you choose something more that looks along those lines? You know, every once in a while, I, I I say to people, like, it's so important to be a be that good dad and be that good mom, but it's so important to be that husband and wife. And you know what, my wife and I, uh, every single month, we try uh, to, to get away for, for a night or, or, or two to be able to go into Edmonton and just date one another and be able to have that, that fire burning within, the, within the, 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 the relationship. When you guys book for your spouse for that romantic getaway, that hotel in Edmonton, do you choose the Transat Hotel, which is down on Fort Road? Or would you rather pick something like the Ritz-Carlton? See, if you take a look at that, there's something in common with our answers. And that's comfort. Our generation, our society, we put a huge, huge... Uh, importance behind comfort. Man, everything from m- memory foams the lazy boys, your living room, body pillows. Man, they've even got snuggies now for hunters. I saw a commercial the other day, and it's like, it's the snuggie for hunter, and it's got a camo print on it, so when you're sitting out on your tree stand, you can put a snuggie on it and be toasty warm. I, I-, I just, just started laughing. We like comfort so much that there's TV shows now that exploit comfort. How many people in this room have ever seen that, uh, I can't remember the host name, I know his name is Mike, but I don't know his last name, but he hosts that show, uh, Dirty Jobs. How many people have seen Dirty Jobs? You know, we watch Dirty Jobs, and as we watch it, we're like, oh man, that is disgusting, I guess my job's not so bad after all. You know what, oh... I can't believe that there's people working down in the conditions like that. I can't believe that that kind of stuff is happening. And we sit back at our lazy boy eating popcorn, watching this disgusting stuff like, oh, I can't get enough of it. But the truth of the matter is, is there's a danger in loving comfort too much. And I don't just mean putting on extra pounds with the butter and the salt. See, it means that we're conti- we continue to put more and more of an emphasis on being Comfortable. I wonder if our faith has followed suit. We become Christians that are used to comfort. We come to our buildings that are nice and warm in the winter and air conditioning in the summer. Our pews are no longer pews. Man, these things are awesome, aren't they? Like, you know, I, you ever come in here for a prayer meeting? You know, prayer meeting? And you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, the Lord's just telling me to lay in a prostrate position right now. Oh, Lord, that is awesome. <laughs> Hallelujah. Take me now, Jesus. You know? It becomes so comfortable. I love those chairs. They beat the old ones, hands down. Even our Bibles are mostly soft, leather-bound books that are easy on the hands. And before you know it, it's not just the pews that are padded, but the message of the gospel is becoming padded. An easy teaching. The doctor becomes lifeless and and leathery, and eventually the message of the Messiah becomes just a moral code of mush. And I'm always wondering what Jesus says in Luke 9.23 when he says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So what about the cross? See, as believers, it's hard to get away from that pillar of our faith. Yet somehow, even the cross has become comfortable. For, Pharisees, for phrases like, we have our cross to bear, is a, is a, is a phrase that loosely gets thrown around. When we, uh, I I went and picked up my daughter at this little, this little thing there the other day. And she, um, she met a little friend at this little playtime. And as she met this friend, um, she prepared this little guy for when she met. She really liked this little boy. And she prepared him to meet her father at age seven. So you know what she said to him? She says, listen, my dad's a pastor. He likes Christians. So make sure you tell him you're a Christian. So I walk in just to pick up my daughter, and this little kid, Christopher, comes walking up to me. And she's, he says, hello, my name is Christopher, and I'm a, and I'm a Christian. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> nice, nice to meet you, Christian. He goes, yep, see, I'm even wearing his cross. And she, he was wearing a cross, and, and just, just to show me that, you know what, I'm an okay guy. You know what, I like your daughter, she likes me, so look, I'm a Christian. It's all good the cross becomes comfortable it gets pushed on the back of the sermons of bible studies only making its annual appearance at easter and even though it's on our churches it's on our t-shirts it's around our necks we end up with a comfortable cross but else what else are we supposed to do right the cross is a tough sell It's bad enough that Jesus had to die on the cross, but why did he have to go and insist that we all uh, end up with with our own crosses? Isn't that kind of ruining Christianity? Isn't that kind of ruining the hope for decent public relations? Doesn't that cross hinder our ability to be able to recruit new people? You know, you're supposed to be able to put your best foot forward, right? And don't we want more people to be able to come to Jesus? That's supposed to be the point, isn't it? having more people come to Jesus. So we try our best to make Christianity sound so appealing, so attractive as possible. But what have we sacrificed in return? Take a look at this clip.
1: As possible. And so I've talked a lot about the unconditional joy, the peace that passes understanding, the grace and mercy that frees us from all of our guilt and shame. Those things are true, and they are beautiful, and they should be spoken of often. But I've realized... that I've been guilty of selling Jesus, of emphasizing only the parts about Jesus that I thought people would like. Imagine if my oldest daughter grows up and goes to college, and after a number of years, isn't married, but she really wants to be. And so I decide to help the process along. I take out an ad in the newspaper, and I put up a billboard sign and print up t-shirts begging someone to come and choose her. Wouldn't that cheapen who she is? Wouldn't that make it seem like they were doing her a favor? I would never do that. If you want to come and get to know her, you better come with everything you God, or I'll send you back.
0: 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent and the intelligence. I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since it is the wisdom of God, the world through the wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believed. Jews demanded signs and Greeks looked for wisdom, but we preach crucifixion christ crucified a stumbling block to jews and foolishness to the gentiles i love it when he says in that chapter there for the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing but to those who are being saved it's the power of the cross just think about it for those living in the first century church how many times a day do we see a cross just in our travels whether around someone's neck whether tattooed on somebody's arm But back in the modern day church, back at the very beginning, if people saw crosses like we see them today, that would be absolutely disgusting. Why? Because it was a symbol of crucifixion, it was a symbol of death. That'd be like if if we took our crosses and we exchanged them instead of a cross, we we walked around with, with a guillotine, or we walked around with an electric chair. And as people walk around, and every place you see a cross, you see an electric chair, that w- it may cause you to be like, you know what, There's, that's a little peculiar. That's a little disturbing. But yet, Jesus took the cross, and he made it from that place of weakness into something strong, and I think that that's what God is all about. I think it's his point. That's what makes the cross so powerful. God takes what, from a human perspective, is foolish, and he finds the least likely symbol of love and life and says, I'm going to use that. God takes what the world says is foolish, demanding the shameful, and says, watch this. And he turns it into the power of salvation. 1 Corinthians 18 again says that he turns the foolishness of the cross into the power of salvation. But as we look down at verse 22, The Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. This foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Man, who else but God could take the cross that represents death and turn it into a symbol of victory? Who else but God could take a cross that represents condemnation and turn it into a symbol of freedom? Who else but God could take a cross that represents pain and suffering and turn it into a symbol of healing and hope? Who else but God could take the cross that represents death and make it a symbol of life? No one else can do that but Him. What seems like the ultimate moment of God's weakness was in reality the ultimate moment of his strength. Here's why that matters. Here's what I don't want you to miss. This, mo- this morning, I've got one point for us to be able to catch this morning, and it's the only thing that you're going to get this morning. Is what God did for the cross, he could do for you. That's where you are your weakest. You are exactly where you need to be for God to be the strongest. Man, the Bible really truly is that upside-down kingdom, isn't it? Verse 27 says, but God chose the foolish things that the world shame to the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. It's not that God uses the cross in spite of its weaknesses, but he chooses the cross because of its weaknesses. Paul says that God uses weak things, and it makes sense for when you accomplish something that you could never, ever accomplish, God gets the glory, doesn't he? No, we don't like to show people our weaknesses, do we? Have you ever gone to a job interview and they ask you that question? What are, your, what, are, what are some of your weaknesses? We lie, don't we? We're not going to tell them the truth on that question. No way. Do you think any one of us, when, when you, you know your employer and they say, so tell me, what are some of your weaknesses? Well, you know what? <laughs> I am a procrastinator. <laughs> I never get things done. That's, that's who I am. Oh, so what are some of your weaknesses oh time you know what what time does it start here 9 o'clock you know what I'll be lucky to make 9.15 if I need to be honest with you <laughs> what, what are some of your weaknesses you know what integrity man I just man if, if, if don't put me in charge of the cash because I'll be dipping my hand in that thing for sure I got gambling debts to pay that's my weakness no what do we say we say things like oh what are my weaknesses oh that's a tough one hmm let me think you know what, I guess my number one weaknesses would be that, well, I'm a perfectionist. You know, I work late hours, and I just stay until the job is done. That's, that's, that's my weakness. It's, it's, it's my cross that i got to bury. That's, that's, that's who I am, right? You know, I've told you in the past about my trip to the Ukraine. My last trip, missions trip with the church in Calgary before I moved out to Cold Lake. It was a very difficult trip, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but you know what? I had, a, I had two leaders on this trip and myself, and we had 16 teenagers, and day one, the two leaders were in the hospital, and, and they were there for the rest of the trip, and I was by myself with 16 kids, and as I was by myself with these 16 kids, I was talking to the church back in Calgary. They're like, we're going to send you somebody to be able to help you out, and they never ever did send anybody. And as I'm doing this, I'm trying to build up the team morale, I'm trying to pump the team morale, but they're so devastated about what was happening by the other two leaders in the hospital that it was really difficult to be able to do that. So one of the girls on the team started cutting herself because that's how she dealt with, 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 with emotional distress. So now I had to deal with that. Another t- couple, they, another uh, boy and a girl, they started a relationship on the trip and then I had to deal with that. And then I had another girl who came up to me and I said, okay, it's time for, you know, I, I sort of trained the kids that it would be like, I'm going to call Mark Bureau right now to come up and share his testimony. And they knew, and it, it wouldn't be like, what, you're asking me? You know, they knew they'd travel with me for, this was our fourth trip. They knew how we ran, ran things. And I said, I'm going to call uh, Mark Bureau right now to come up and share his testimony. he goes, and I'm like, Okay, like I said, I'm going to call Julia to come up and share her testimony. I'm like, you, get back here right now. What is going on? You know what? I just decided right now that I don't believe in God. Great. (laughs) But as that trip was going around, you know, one of the hardest things is we did a camp in a place called Ladan that we've never, ever done a camp before. And when we started this camp, I, I had all, I've done this many times before. I had everything ready to go. And as I had everything ready to go, I had one, uh, you know, in, in my conversations with the guy, I said, listen, I need you to get me a really good interpreter. And they're like, well, a really good interpreter is going to cost you 20 bucks for the week. Very different prices there. And I'm like, you know what? I'll give you 100 bucks for the week, but I want a really good one. Done. And when I showed up there, the interpreter that they, that, that they gave me didn't speak English. So the very first time, the very first night, they said, okay, we're going to call Pastor Lance to preach. I started preaching, but every single time, I don't know if you've ever seen a preacher preach with an interpreter, but you kind of say, good morning, and you pause, good morning, dobre utra, how's everybody doing today? Cáctela, and then you kind of go back and forth and back and forth. So as I would say something, I'd be like, you know what, Jesus loves you this morning. And she'd look at me and say, loves? Uh, Yeah, Jesus um, cares for you, uh, cares Um, Jesus, uh, he loves us. Oh, okay. And then she'd go and I'd be like, oh, my Lord, this is going to take forever. My little 20-minute sermon turned into a three-hour message. And as that happened, I lost the people. I lost them. It was just kind of like, so, you know, it was a powerful message and at the end it was just kind of like, man, this was awful. So I sat down with the team leaders and I said, listen, you know what, this interpreter just can't do the job. So, why don't you guys take the messages and you guys do it? Okay, so now we're in charge of the games. We're in charge of the actual camp. And then they're going to run the, 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 the spiritual uh, evening side. No problem. So day one, we get up there and do the game. And I don't know if you guys ever know the shoe game. You ever done the shoe game when you were a kid? It'd be like if everybody here takes off their shoes and you throw them up into a pile, I say, go, and everybody runs up the front, they find their shoes and they put it back and and, and then you go back and sit in your section and be like, okay, whatever section sits down first, is like you get first, second, third, you guys lose, you know, so it's this big competition, so it's like, go, one, two, three, go, so all these kids, 100 kids run up, they start grabbing their shoes and one kid got pushed, so he starts to cry and he gets gets it all back together, then I have a meeting with the leader and they're like, Lance, these games that you bring they're they're no good they're too they're too dangerous i'm like oh my lord the shoe game is dangerous he says lance we no we don't want that we want the kids to have fun and not not be crying and i'm like okay football is out and the tube <laughs> game is definitely out someone always breaks an arm in the tube game so that one's definitely out So I'm like, okay. So then we started and we started playing. I think we played volleyball the next day and some kid got hurt. Lance, these games are, these Canadian games, they're crazy. Lance, we don't want people to get hurt. I'm like, oh my Lord, we're going to do Duck, Duck, Goose. (laughs) So I'm trying to do this and and as he's telling me this, I go... (laughs) Like, I can't believe this. And then I started laughing, and then my interpreter started laughing, and we're laughing so hard. Like, it was one of those moments where you just can't stop laughing. And the guy looks at me, he goes, Lance, you laugh, but we cry. And then I lost it. I was on the floor laughing and laughing and laughing. And the guy says to me, he says, well, you don't do the games. We take over the games. and, And you, I don't know what you do. So I got back to the talk to the team and said, okay, guys, we're we're no longer doing the games. They took that one away from us. And 16 kids with all this stress that is happening, they're like, why are we here? Why are we at this camp? We're paying money for this camp. We paid good money to get you know, come over here to be able to tell people about Jesus and we can't do nothing. And I'm like, guys, let's just have good attitudes. But you're trying to tell these people to have good attitudes, and really my attitude is stinking. And it's kind of like, Lord, why are we here? Why did we do this camp? And we were completely handcuffed. We were weak. There's nothing that we could have done in our own strength. And you know what? To be honest with you, it took probably three days of kind of pouting around a little bit, like, why are we here? Let's just go home to be like, you know what, guys? Let's just, let's just be intercessors on this trip. If the Lord brought us here to pray, let's pray. And, and not just to say it, because we said it about three days earlier, but to really mean it. Where we got to that place where it's like, you know what, this is why God has brought us here. Not to run the camp, not to be able to preach the messages, but God brought us here to be able to be prayer support for this camp. To be able to pay for this camp, which wouldn't have happened unless we brought in the North American money. So guys, let's get it together. And our attitudes changed. But again, it took about three days for our attitudes to change. On that third day when our attitudes changed, you know what happened? I'm sitting there in the, in the cafeteria having lunch with everybody, and this girl that I haven't seen before comes and sits down beside me. And she says, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm doing pretty good, how are you? And we start talking. And I said, and I, as I'm listening to her, I could tell she's an American. She has a, a, a loose accent, but it sounded very similar to us. And I said, What part of the state are you from? She says, Oh, I'm not. I'm Ukrainian. I'm like, What? She goes, Yeah, I, I'm Ukrainian. I'm like, You know what? I have talked to a lot of interpreters who have got amazing English skills. But you, I don't even hear an accent. It is so amazing. She goes, Yeah. She goes, I know. She said, God gave me English. I'm like, What does that mean? She says, When I was a little kid, I was in church service, and a, a preacher came in. And when he came in, he was an American. And the pastor said to me, come on up here. I'm going to get you an interpret it. And I was so scared because I only knew a little bit of English. I only knew to say hello and, and, and this kind of stuff. So she comes up. She's like, pastor, no, please, pastor. Please, pastor, don't make me do this. And pastor's like, you're doing this. And she's like, no, 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 please, pastor. He goes, no, I want you to do it. Okay, pastor. So she goes up the front, and she's terrified. And as the guy starts to speak, the Lord gives her the gift of English. And she starts to pre, she starts to interpret what she did, and she became so good at interpreting that the the Lord opened up so many doors for her that she became a world like she would do a governmental um, translating when when in dignitaries and stuff like that came into the Ukraine. And as that happened, she got pretty prideful, where she's like, "I'm good at what I do. I'm a good interpreter." And then one day, she got up for a pastor who came in to speak. She get, got up and she walked up to the front, and the Lord said to her. He says you know what you're pretty prideful you think you can do this on your own it's yours and he took away the gift and as the p- pastor was preaching she didn't understand one word that he was saying and she started to bawl up there and the pastor's like what is going on right now like what what are you doing like i need you to interpret and she's just crying and crying and crying and as that happened she repented and said lord i've sinned would you forgive me And the Lord gave it back to her right there. And she says, never again will I use this to be able to profit from it. And as she did that, she says, the Lord has brought me here today because I feel that you need an interpreter. Would you like to preach tonight? I preached that night, and man, kids got saved. Kids got slain in the Holy Spirit. It was a God encounter. I was weak. There's nothing I could have done. There's nothing that I could have done to be able to prepare for that. But when we are weak, he is strong. Throughout scripture, God would continue to choose the weak over the strong. See, I came across some examples of the Bible that many of you would know. Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was humiliated. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was proud. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was disobedient. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric, well, to say the least. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubt. Paul had health issues. Timothy was timid. The Bible is a long list of imperfected misfits who discovered that through weakness there is strength. So God, do for us what you did for the cross. 2 Corinthians twelve nine says, Each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Do You know that every year, an average of 2,000 self-help books are published with one common theme in them. You can do it. Look deep within. Find your inner strength within. It will carry you through. Yet Paul says that strength comes in understanding our weakness. The best picture that I can paint for you to be able to understand what the Lord requires for us is this last trip that I told you I did with Disneyland. We were a little bit worried about bringing Liberty with us because Liberty is four years old, and if you've been to Disneyland, you know that it's walking, walking, walking. And as we brought Liberty... Truthfully, every step that I take, she needs to do three steps to be able to catch up to dad. And I said to Liberty, I said, You know, Liberty, you know, are you sure you can do this? Yes, Dad, I can do it. And she wanted to prove to Dad that she could do it, and she was a trooper. Man, two days at the park, just walking and walking and walking and walking and walking. And then on the third day, we did a three-day hopper pass. On the third day, we decided just to do a half a day. We'll do everybody's favorite ride. So we did everybody's favorite ride, walking and walking and walking. We had to walk from our hotel. Our hotel was probably about ten blocks away from the park. So you get up in the morning, you walk to the park, and then you get to the park, and then then you got to walk through the parking lot and it's like probably another 10 blocks to get inside of Disneyland and you're walking and you're walking and you're walking this little girl is just doing she's blowing me away by the very last day we called it quits and as we called it quits we walked out and she was so tired and we walk out of the park it was right around 1230 the temperature there was high 90s and she tripped over her own feet and she fell and as she fell she lost it she just started to cry, and cry, and cry. And usually when the little kids cry, who do they go to? Mom. But you know what? Liberty bypassed Mom. And she came up to Daddy with those big tears in her eyes. And she went like this. And I said, Dad. I reached down. I picked her up. I put her on my shoulders. 98 degrees. And I had to walk 12 blocks. And I'm like, oh my Lord. And as I'm walking with her, she's falling asleep on my shoulders and I feel her like she's up there and all of a sudden she'll go, I'm like, Libby, Libby, come on. You know? And I'm walking with her and I'm walking with her and I'm walking with her. Friends, Jesus wants us to come to him and say, Dad, up, Dad, take me because I tried, but I can't do it on my own. In my weakness, may you be glorified. In my weakness, Lord, you are strong. Will you like Christ? did before us trust god enough in your weakness will you allow your weakness to become his strength because it's when we let go of our need for comfort our need to be in control our need to glory in our strengths our accomplishments our paychecks and our trophies our co-workers approval or whatever that is that keeps you from abandoning a comfortable version of the cross as then that god does in our life what he did for christ in death is then that god does in our hearts what he did for christ on the cross and he takes followers who are having who are hanging on by a thread and bolsters their spirit he takes followers who are at their weakest moment and uses it for enormous kingdom good he takes followers who who are all but defeated and he turns their testimonies into life-giving messages of truth and of hope all to god's glory lord would you do for us what you did on the cross would you do for me would you do for this church would you do for this city would you do for our nation Do for this world, Lord, what you did for the cross that we might begin to understand why you chose an uncomfortable means of self-sacrifice. Do for us what you did for the cross, Lord. My friends, this is one of those messages today that is not culturally correct. When everybody's telling you, you can do it. Even the word when it says, I can do all things. We've got to remember this is I can do all things through Christ. This strengthens me. God wants to touch our city in such an amazing way. God wants to impact your workplace in such an amazing way. And isn't it amazing how Moses stood in that place and said, God, choose somebody else. I am unequipped for this. And the Lord says, Moses, I'm calling you. This morning I want to remind you that when it feels like giving up, when you feel like the answer is just never going to get there, When you feel that it's just like, God, that's it. I'm done. That is the best place to be at. Because the Lord's like, good, finally, you're out of the way. Now let me do it. I've just got so many stories after stories after stories in ministry where I have seen God do amazing things. And you know what my... My cry to the Lord is right at this very moment. Is this last summer was a difficult summer for us as a church. This last summer, we lost 20 families who moved away to different places, whether it would be military or just moved away. And out of these families that moved, you always lose people, like children's ministry is hurting again, worship team is hurting again. But I'm like, Lord... I just so want to see that healing center come into this area to be able to really minister to people, really make a change. And the truth of the matter is, if if after service, one of you came up to me and, and said, Pastor, here's a check for $1 million. Let's get that healing ministry go. And boom, the healing ministry was open next week. We would not be able to run that healing ministry because we don't have the people for it. it's like, Lord, I love this church, God. There's no, the grass is not greener anywhere else. But God, in the natural, all I see is we kind of lay that foundation of faith. You know, last year we spoke, I spoke from September to April, talking about our core values, what family is. And you lay that foundation, it's kind of like right on, let's move on to step B, and then the summer comes and people leave and people come in it's like boom we're back to square one and then you lay that foundation and it's like okay here we come step b and then the summer comes and boom we're back to step one it's like god i don't see that ever changing in the natural and lord as the pastor am i okay with seeing us go A B A B A B A B A B A B A B B forever and not getting to see where I desire to be. Am I okay with that, Lord? Or, Lord, is it like, you know what, it's never going to happen, give up and go someplace where you can finally get to see. In my weakness, He is strong. I can't build the church. I can't develop that foundation but he can and when that million dollar check comes in and says here pastor it's time get that healing center up and running then he's going to have that foundation of people who are saying we are hungry to be able to reach this city we want to be able to touch that we, that, that need guys that is where I am right at this very moment and there's no answer to it yet I'm not telling you a story that has happened and that how the Lord provided. I'm telling you a story that is happening right at this very moment for the, for the testimony of faith that's going to come out of this where Jesus says, good Lance, you got out of the way because the word says that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, not you. Would you stand with me to th- this morning? And as the worship team just starts to play, if that's you this morning, like me, where you're like, you know what? I need to be able to give my weakness over to the Lord and trust Him with my circumstances and my situations. Then I just encourage you, whether you want to come up to the altar and we can pray for you, or whether you just want to stand here and just, you know what? Why do we raise our hands when we worship? It's just a symbol of surrenderance. God, I surrender all. And if you want to just raise your hands and say, God, up father take me up because god i can't walk another step i can't do it lord but jesus i need you in my life we hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley community church Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy
1: Community Church, a place where families come together.